Welcome to the Business of Buildings podcast, where passionate professionals in the building industry share knowledge and perspectives to inspire positive change in the places we live. In this episode, Elizabeth Bazan and Dan Ellis-Jones of the WA Building Commission are here to share some insights and highlights of proposed reforms to the approval process for commercial buildings in Western Australia. Let's listen in. conference a few years ago in Melbourne where I met a few of the direct yeah and they were talking about creating more illustrations you know more visuals in the standard yeah, because yeah. people don't have they're not reading anymore no but that takes it another level I agree with you because they, they, they the, uh, the standards are, are all PDF free anyway yeah, yeah. you can put hyperlinks on a PDF document to get mm. them to a visual mm. easily so you could go to the, the actual yeah and yeah. YouTube and then people can actually see so that, that's what's good about this I mean I've Obviously, uh, we're all busy, and I, yeah. I kind of came up against it. I've gone through the document, and there's a lot of great work in here. This is really therapeutic for me to see that changes are, are coming, and there's awareness around it. Yeah, well, that's good. So that's the <laughs> idea. That makes you feel a bit better. And all my role here is with Bob is to make people aware, like educate. So mm-hmm. this is an opportunity they can hear a bit of background as to what this is coming from, and and when I get it on LinkedIn and our channels, it's for people to actually give. Um, responses back like you're looking for because everyone complains there's a lot of people complaining out there mm-hmm. but I always yeah. say there's no point complaining if you're not going to get a chance to voice yeah. so now they have a chance yes. so there's no complaining either. so what is what do you podcast go on your website on LinkedIn yeah LinkedIn website and yeah. then it's on iTunes and, and iTunes. Spotify yeah, yeah okay so then you can take this file and you can do what you want with it yeah yeah okay great Thank all right you. yeah so we've already started recording. This is just, I like to keep it free flowing. Just like all the conversations I've had, are ten, there's a lot of great information in it. Yeah. Um, and I found when I'm on the phone talking to other colleagues in the industry, we're, we're triggering the same things over and over again. Mm. Architects, builders, engineers, surveyors. So it's, and it's, even when I read through this, it gives me a bit of peace of mind knowing that I'm not the only one realizing there's lots of significant issues. So. As a collective, yeah. we can make a difference by voicing up, right? Yeah. And obviously, great. we talked a couple of weeks ago, and everyone needs to be mindful that these types of regulations do take time to get through the system. There's political elements that that hold hold these changes back. And yes. I think we talked about a lot of these issues we're experiencing now happened not entirely, because I, I can give examples well, from 2012 from the changes that were implemented then. But it's not just political elements that cause it to take a long time. I mean, I, I've heard from some of the industry organisations we're consulting with that the WA government is one of the better ones at consulting with industry. I mean, the, the consultation period for this paper was six months. Yep. And to April. that 
that was extended because of the pandemic. It was supposed to be only three months. I saw that in the document, up to April, right? All of our mm-hmm. consultation yeah. periods are at least three months. So when does it close? It's closed now. It's already that, closed. That yeah. one closed. That one closed, okay. Oh, there are other at the are end of June, yeah. there's an engineer's registration paper. It's I just saw right that. Now. Yeah. But um, some of the industry organisations we're dealing with have said that they have dealt with government departments who send them a paper at four o'clock in the afternoon and schedule a meeting for 9.30 the following morning and that is the extent of the consultation. Yeah, yeah. Less than one day. Less than one day. And um, the the New South Wales Draft um, Design Practitioners Bill was out for public comment for... I think it was two weeks and one hour. Do you think there's a reasoning behind that, or is it just lack of planning? Or are they literally right. trying to get no feedback? <laughs> I think they, they are trying to get feedback, but they're also trying to fast-track their reforms. Our, yeah. our reform yeah. process is going to take two-plus years, but that includes a couple of three-month consultation periods. Yeah. If yeah. we consulted for two weeks or one day, yeah. then it, it would be a lot quicker. Correct. In yeah. part because we will get less feedback, in part because the consultation will take less time. Well, in going through the overview of reforms, there are a lot of things to consider in this. It is well thought yes. out. And these things do take time to digest and implement. Hmm. So I agree with you. Yes. This is not a quick fix. No. It needs to take time. And, mm-hmm. and the other thing it, is, it is a lot of individual reforms that will work together to improve the, the industry and the culture. Yeah. There is no single thing that we can do to improve it. We, we asked a few of our stakeholders if they had a priority of things that we could do, try and do sooner to improve things and then over a, a longer term implement the rest. And, so how long and they, you, they have work? universally said that no, it's a package suite. You have to do it all together. How long ago did this process start? Like when was it triggered? Like there's an issue. We need reforms. And you're both involved in the beginning draft of this? Yeah. Yes. This is like two, three years ago? So it might be worth, um, you know, those it was potential people have, we, we've been working on this so much, we think, you know, it's, we assume a lot of knowledge. Yes. Yeah. So just to give you the basics, so um, after some um, building um, issues, um, obviously with um, over in Melbourne, Grenfell fire tragedy, um, and also, and Oakley Tower and all City, that. So, yeah. um, the um, uh, Building Ministers Forum engaged um, two experts, so Professor Shergold and Bronwyn Weir, yeah. to go and um, look at the building approvals process in Australia and to come back with recommendations from the. And they had they, um, they had this is I must have um, I've got it with me, but um, they came out with um, a. Um, a report that had 26 recommendations? 24. 24 recommendations, mm-hmm. right. And, um, and they were nationally um, important, and, um, and so the uh, Building Ministers Forum sent um, this information through to the ABCB and through um, the other jurisdictions across the government, you know, state governments and stuff. Yep. Um, and um, we've all been looking at tr- trying to work out how to implement the recommendations we're doing that in the best way possible. Now that's gone through. That was about when was that? Twenty seventeen. Twenty seventeen. Yeah, it's been it's been mm. three or four years. Two, sorry, two or three years now. All right. Um, 
and um, and it's gone through different sort of um, phases. We've been working on um, this concentration regulatory impact statement for a while, um, and um, since two Christmases ago. Yeah, two Christmases ago. <laughs> oh. So um, and of course it's now. It's not, so we're, we're actually as far as the policy process is concerned, we're actually about halfway through. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, which is pretty good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> honestly, it's for a year good. and a half. Yeah, yeah, it is pretty good. Yeah. Uh, particularly with such a large amount of reform. And a uh, pandemic. And a pandemic. Well, that with, yeah. put a, a spanner in the works, didn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. Like just a bit. Yeah. Down. But um, I think it's an opportunity to look at rebuilding everything in this world right now. So it's a, it's actually good timing. It is to get people timing, to yeah. rethink how things are done. Yeah. Start from scratch and rebuild and work. Well, rebuild is a Ferrari history. <laughs> yeah, indeed, rebuild, yeah. So everyone's going to get a link to this so they can get some input. And in, a, in a few minutes, I just want to scan through. I've got some just highlight notes mm -hmm. that I want to, we can talk through to get people familiar with it. Yep. But what's what are the next steps beyond, like we'll go through that in a minute. What are your next steps in trying to get policies implemented? <laughs> Our next steps, currently we have several hundred pages of written feedback that we are working through. We are going back to meet with some of our stakeholders to talk through their comments and drill down for a bit more information. Okay. We will then put that feedback and analysis together with the, the original proposals. We will reform the original proposals in light of the feedback and come up with better proposals. Will there be a round two opportunity for feedback as well? Yes, they will. Okay, so, so this is good to preempt <coughs> everyone so they're ready for the next. Mm -hmm. So yeah. yes, that's good. Um, the, the second stage will be after we analyze all the feedback, we will write up a decision RIS. So that will then go out to an external consultant for a full cost-benefit analysis. Oh, yeah. It will then go out for public comment for a slightly shorter period, possibly as, as short as one month. <laughs> <laughs> shorter, okay. <laughs> And um, then we will again analyze feedback, feed that back into the, the reform proposals. Okay. And then the whole lot will be submitted to cabinet for government's consideration. And there's reference in here to McGowan and WA government trying, that he's been involved yes. in this from the beginning, trying to push through reforms. Yes. 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 The, well, the other thing to note that, that does affect our timeframes is there will be an election early next year so the government will go into caretaker mode for a, a period before the election yeah and then okay even if there isn't a full change of government there will be some changes we could end up with a different minister oh, okay so they just decide what they want at that point so yes the yeah. the any any um proposals that we will put to government will end up going to a different government one way or another yeah so things will stall until then. Yes. I know not to bring up the U.S., but from the econ um, economic situation here, I still remember in 2016 just everything hitting the wall right before the U.S. election. That kind of is happening right now. Yes. Everyone's just kind of taking a pause. Mm -hmm. So we'll have a year of that in WA with this future election and COVID, which is a good pause, a good time to take a breath and get feedback. Mm. Right? Yes. Yeah. What type? Just a quick question. Like, what? T what? Um, different disciplines have you received feedback from? And obviously fire, building surveyors. Mm -hmm. Building surveyors, builders, architects, engineers. Yeah. 
um, consultants generally. Yeah. Okay, so you have had a good mix of backgrounds yeah. On, yeah. on these projects. Yeah. 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 And have you noticed a theme in everyone's feedback? Or it's a bit of a, you know, based um, on their own interests? There's not really been a, a sort of an, uh, an out and out theme. Um, I think generally everyone is. I mean, in agreement the theme of frustration is what I get. Yeah, I think there is an overall um, ex, um, acceptance that things need to change, that yeah. there are cultural issues out there. Ah, yes. And that, um, yep. and that uh, and that's a big one. There is no silver bullet. There is no silver bullet. But, no. Um, I think, and, and generally, I think almost universally, really, um, the stakeholder comments have been. Deflated is another word that comes to mind. <laughs> Some yeah. have given up. Yeah, <laughs> well, we're trying to make sure that doesn't happen. But um, yeah, uh, yeah, they're supportive of, of reform in some way or other, but they want to, a, a significant portion would say we want reform, but it needs to be the right reform and it needs to be designed properly. Yeah. Now, depending on your perspective, where you're from, what your experience is, you have different ideas of how it should be designed. And the complexity of our job is to come up with a design, um, to come up with certainly come up with the, pro the po correct policy, yeah. um, and then come up with the correct design that will work for as many people as possible. And that's not an easy thing to do because they've all mm. got different. When you drill down into the detail, it becomes very complicated. You've highlighted like you've triggered mm. a couple of key ones in here: Col code of conduct, conflicts of interest. These all really create a culture, right? Yeah, that, yes. they're all part of that. Because how do you redefine a culture in an industry without it, it takes a number of different facets to make that change? Yeah, I mean, I suppose that's sort of one of the good things yeah. about how, because this is so broad, um, if we can bring it in as a suite of changes, then hopefully there will be like a, a, a sort of bow wave of, of change through the industry yeah. over, a, you know, not immediately, but through time um, that will improve buildings. Um, and you know the efficiency of the building industry and the effectiveness of the industry and, and us I mean from what you've said you know yeah. the actual enjoyment of working in the building industry as yeah. well because I, I enjoy the work I enjoy the design but all the yeah. peripheral stuff is very inflating and, as yeah. well and like I said any other industry and there's always uh, incentive to innovate and offer a greater value but this industry is not set up to, to do that Yeah. so it's like a downward spiral why, why put the extra effort in if there's no benefit yeah not not mm -hmm. just to say financially profit wise, but you know career um, fulfillment. You know, yeah. there needs to be that level of incentive to change the culture. And I think it's fairly simple. Like we we know the the builders control not the builders aren't controlling the market, but they are in the lead of the market right now, where all the professionals are kind of following their lead based on the way the contracts are engaged. That DNC which we talked about, that virus that's out there, mm -hmm. that's the real virus, the dumb and Dumb and cheap is what I call it. Um, because it's, it just flips the level of professionalism. The builder is in control. I had a, our, um, I told you about that church project I backed out of mm -hmm. a few weeks ago and I met yeah. with the director. And I told him, look, your, your role here is to build. You're not here to play design lead. Mm. And he still, he wouldn't, it wouldn't sink in. He kept saying, no, we have our consultants. I said, no, you're actually controlling them. You're telling them what you want to happen. And then the client is, you're giving the client what they want for as well. So they're kind yeah. of being taken advantage of. So they need to kind of be put back into their role as builder and then the professions need to lead. The architects, the surveyors, the engineers. Um, 
Well, that's where the qualification, that's why we get qualified and that's why we have that duty of care. Yeah. Is, which is an, that other policy that potentially is coming in for registered engineers. Duty of care ties you into that. Yeah. Right, and right now that's missing. Yeah. Yeah. It's all good stuff for us to <laughs> consider. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, I, and, you know, from, I suppose from our perspective, the, um, everything boils down to compliance and compliance with the code, the National Construction Code. Yeah. And so if a, if a client or a builder is creating a building and it's, it's all about the client, what the client wants, there is a point where you've actually got to go, well, the client can't have that if that is not compliant with the building code. That's brilliant. Now, it, yeah. And, and so, so it, it's not, I mean, you obviously, as, a, as any business, you want to make the client ha happy. Yeah. But yeah. there are fundamentals that you can't go against because you have a, a, duty, a, of flaw, care. a duty of care and yeah. you have a floor of compliance that you must meet. Yeah. And, um, and so if, if the um, client wants a, um, a four-star house, let's say, not, not commercial, but just off the top of my head, sure. they can't have it. Yeah. It's as simple as that. You can't have it, it won't comply, you're not allowed. Yeah. Um, so as, as a professional architect, designer, builder, professional in this space, we can see what, we can advise you through a consultant to, yeah. to the client's wishes and go, well, we, we can see what your wishes are, we can do these wishes, these wishes are non-compliant, so we can't do those, but we can do X, Y, and Z to be compliant and maybe, maybe halfway or whatever, however that works. And that's how it should be because of, that is the fundamental base. Of I come across this all the time where because of experience and practicality, I always say our duties to the public, not to the client. Mm. Uh, and you play that line of, and I had this happen, there was a kitchen job up north in Karatha and the architect's asking for, I pretty much had to say, look, I can foresee that she has a budget here, she has a performance requirement, we have to comply. And they say, well, what about this, what about that? I said, well, no, you can't do that. That is not an option. Mm. So you have to be firm and stay, state your ground and be respected for your feedback. Yeah. But a lot of times we get that, oh, you're just making that up or just, just make it work. Just, just do fake it. Fake news. <laughs> yeah, fake news. Just make it work. But being held, account being held accountable as a professional also given respect, they need to go together. Because mm. yeah. a lot of times it's just like trying to justify if you play that line of holding to your values. Mm. Um, just to keep the client happy to get your invoices paid which is not the position we want to be in. Mm. My whole take on all this with Bob is I really want to innovate. I want to do things better. But really, him, we're not able to do that in the current form of the, the market. But when you set it up for innovation, that's going to lead it in the right way, which is actually going to make the buildings um, healthier, more energy efficient, more profitable for everyone involved. Make it like win-wins for everyone. Mm. And then the public has healthy, safe buildings to, to live in and breathe in. But we're a long way from that. <laughs> yeah, but we're getting there. Yes. Sometimes, like it, what you guys are doing as well, is great, but the the private sector really needs to kind of take the lead as well and not be told what to do. It should feel like they they want to do it the right way. That would and be these, nice. Yeah, and then you're not having to work so hard. And <laughs> if everyone was doing the right body. thing, we'd be redundant. Yeah, <laughs> well, not redundant. We'd go and retire somewhere warm and sunny. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait. <laughs> you always need someone overseeing, right? Yes. Yeah. Like my kids, they're they're smart, they're mature, but I still have to be the parent to kind of guide them. Hmm. That's human nature. We have we need that oversight. 
mm. but that's because their kids, their frontal cortexes haven't developed fully yet. Oh, that's you true. would hope that adults operating in the building industry have fully developed frontal cortexes. Oh, man. That's another topic. That's <laughs> <laughs> too big for this podcast, probably. Well, no, that's an interesting... We'll talk culture, uh, culture and values. I was going to do a, a Bob Group session on that because if you think culture and values, it can, your mind can trigger any number of different thoughts. Like mm. you're Australian, you're American, you're a builder, you, you put that blue-collar hat on, you're an engineer, you put Japan here... You put those roles in your head, and that's how we're. And in construction, you have white collar, blue collar, different backgrounds. You have a mix mm. of the mm. way people perceive themselves, yes. as opposed to thinking we're all in it for the right reasons. Um, yeah, that's that's a separate topic. Yeah. <laughs> um, just going through my notes. So if we just kind of, again, I just there's how many proposals here? We have 20, 28. 28. Just kind of scan through. So we have. Proposals for reform, regulators' powers uh, require that buildings must comply. It's on page yeah. 19. Yeah. Uh, to be an applicable standard for class two to nine. Empower building commissioner to prescribe standards. That's you guys. Amend building commissioner's rights of entry and inspection. That's a key one. I talked to someone about that the other day. Regulators' power to remedy dangerous situations. Uh, do you want to talk through that one a, a bit? Commissioner's right of entry and independent inspection. Yes. So that, that, is that suggesting that you'd have the right to go and access and do independent audits at any time and given free access? And currently we don't have that available? Or they make it difficult to do so? Um, right now, we, we have the right to inspect any construction site, but the, the inspector needs to obtain consent from the site occupier. Oh. which is usually the builder. So basically the regulator needs the builder's permission to, to regulate oh, the interesting. site. That's not ideal. And where consent is refused, then we can get a, an entry warrant, similar to the police. Sure. And when you compare it to police work, then yes, an entry warrant is warranted for the police. They mm. are potentially entering occupied buildings whereas the building commissioner is inspecting construction work which is a, a bit different yeah and under the previous act and regulations it was actually an offense to impede an inspector the inspectors had had the right to enter any construction site and it was an offense to impede them oh, in their changed. work mm. and that changed when we went to the new act oh yeah and it is actually a, a recommendation under the national model that's being developed that all regulators should have the power to enter any construction site. That's how I was talking to someone from the UK. That's how it's set up there, mm. where they can come in and inspect yes. any time. Yes. There is oversight. Mm. And, and yeah. was for most of the time here as well until 2012. Mm. <laughs> Up until 2012. For an, occupied, for an occupied building, yes, it is, it is different yeah. and you need the, the owner's or the occupier's consent. But for a construction site to inspect construction work, um, the, the national model is recommending unfettered power of entry. Yeah. As you should, which, if you Nobody did. is quite sure why it's changed, but their best guess is um, Conservative Parliamentary Council drafted uh, yeah. it that way. So builders are all, they, they structure their contracts and subcontracts to prevent, to mitigate risk. 
So you would think having oversight or someone else looking, that actually is assisting in reducing risk on the job. Mm. So there should yeah. be no reason to think that's a hindrance as opposed to just leave us alone, yes. let us build. Mm. We don't want you to see what's over there. Yes. <laughs> yes, so, so long as you manage the OCK health and safety risk of people entering construction sites, then the, the permission to enter should be less of an issue. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. You happy with that one? So yep. The fire authority of consultation. So fire engineering performance solutions. Um, fire engineer commissioner's advice may be given early. Prescribed information to include in response to the fire engineering. What's FES? Fire engineering. Fire and emergency services. Emergency services commissioner's advice. Yes. Yeah. So section 7.2 goes in more detail on that. But what's the high level theme of that, that potential change? Fire authority of FISA consultation. Is that what that means? Yes. Yeah. So currently and and always, commercial buildings, so class two to nine, if they are of a certain size and a certain class, they have the plans have to be submitted to DFIS for their for their comment on the the fire safety provisions so yeah. hydrants pumps tanks the the bits that that DFIS will be using in the event of a fire yeah. and that has always been the case in in the current act plan it requires that plans must be submitted 15 days before the before the certificate of design compliance is signed mm. so that gives DFIS 15 working days three weeks to comment in reality, if you are doing a large building with lots of performance solutions, you should be consulting with DFIS much earlier than that. Mm. And part of that is a communication issue. I think possibly DFIS haven't educated all of the industry as to what they can what they can offer, what services they provide. We have also had um, feedback from people in the industry that it, they can, if they do consult early with DFIS, they don't always get the same person to talk to. They can talk to three different people who give them three different opinions on their design. Mm -hmm. And that's understandably difficult for them to work through those three different opinions. Yeah. So I think there, there is definitely scope for DFIS to tighten up their, their um, building advice section that's a fair point that's that's a point I had um, resources and skills here mm. you know in an ideal world there would be so much competition and great skills and I do know with visa they do always get a backlog yes you know so that's just a thing where there's not enough to go around how mm. do you how do they get more resources how yes. do they fund for that mm. and part of the issue is that all of the people working in their building section are also firefighters Oh. So during bushfire season, they're short-staffed because all of their staff get sent out to fight bushfires. Oh, yeah. Yeah, interesting. And any ultimate solutions, that on, as a consultant, you want to make sure they're aware of it because they're going to say, yes. I'll take it back. Mm. It sets the whole project yes. team back quite a bit. Mm. Yeah. I yes. remember 10 years ago, FISA, we used to have to get um, the design documents for all services had to be more detailed to go into FISA as well, mm. including MEC and life sa smoke safety systems. Yes. But now it's rare, rare to get that request. Yes. It's the fire engineering brief, mm. which is not enough, I don't think. Yes. 
even electrical documentation with smoke detection. Even if they do ask it, it always seems to be rushed. And yes. they, say, they say, oh, we don't need that much information on the drawings. Mm-hmm. That's what they, that's kind of been the theme, just to get it and tick the box, which shouldn't be the case, right, if, when it comes to life safety? No. Yes. No. Well, DFIS have actually released operational requirements just recently. Okay. On their website, they, they have uploaded about 10 different documents outlining their operational requirements against all of the building code. I might put that link on this podcast so people yes. can find it. It's not. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not. Hard to find. It's not been publicized very well yet. All right, I'll put that on the link so they can find it. Mm. Um, next one. Building surveyors must be independent of anyone whose work is, I'm, I'm a big proponent of this one, conflicts of interest. Yes. You know, right now, when we went private, and I've seen this happen, and I, I can give examples, I won't right now, but the surveyor is engaged directly by the client or the builder. So it's one-man bands, two men, they have 40 grand insurances to cover. They're competing mm-hmm. with other surveyors on, on a diminishing fee market. So it's not a great position to be a surveyor when you're getting paid by the client who's wanting things to happen. And that surveyor needs to get paid. So that that is a big one. Yes. It's seven three. What is the It's our biggest headache at the moment. It is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Trying to, to nut out but that there, what that, boundaries we can put around the building surveyor's engagement and disengagement potentially is. Oh yeah. Yep. Because what they experience, they're running obviously they're responsible for the entirety of it, but all the engineers and architects are all there's there's a similar theme underneath, pervading everyone. There's always that conflict. Like I said earlier, we, what are you willing to, to accept? Where's your value line? Because you need to get paid, otherwise you shut your doors. And that's, yeah. not, that's not how it should be. It's certainly one of the themes of um, this reform um, is that looking to um, better protect, I suppose, for want of a better expression, building surveyors, because they, they undertake a statutory role, which is, I think, unique within the, the whole process. Yeah, it's a high-risk um, role. And, and so... Um, we're looking at uh, helping them do that and, and to some extent under um, undermine that issue they have mm. with the commercial interest and so but coming up with the right again coming up with the right detail the right design of that is actually causing us a lot of thought yeah. <laughs> at the moment it's not easy no um, that was yeah, that's a very tricky one because where's the funding in, in an ideal world that would be funded by a third party or by government well but it's that's not, not even it's not yeah i mean it's not possible there are all so, yeah there are all sorts of different solutions but there are each one has inherent issues and yeah um so it, it's a, it is a complex one for us to we haven't internally we we are discussing it but we haven't come up with solution yet yeah, so that's a tricky one yeah because um, yeah, it's where the money flows like that's the trick yeah and there mm-hmm. you know um I, we've had a um I, I, just, I don't think it's um confidential but we've had um master builders association come in and say that you know they would definitely support um the building surveyor being engaged by the owner so that's one possible way of um doing it Instead we, of we, have, we haven't landed on anything so we're not saying we're going to do that yeah. But um, you know, that's mm. that. Ex- so we, I mean, to that we're looking at that extent of quite sort of 
in comparison to what's happening now, it's a relatively radical move. Yeah. Um, at least from the government's you know um, perspective, it is. Um, but so we're looking at we're looking at things that are you know possibly not not tweaks but complete changes. Yeah. Um, but we, but obviously doing complete change, there's a whole load of information and, and also. But when we're, that we're talking it out loud, and I re I'm the theme of all the other changes are actually going to help improve this anyway. Yeah, there are. So it's not, yeah, it's not just this. Um, it's a formula for this. There are, there are other aspects and other bits and pieces that will go feed, feeding through. It's all building, yes. rebuilding that culture. Yeah. So eventually that will just happen. Yes. Mm. Where people will get, yeah. More people will <laughs> do the right thing than not, and those that aren't yeah. are going to be kind of just say, okay, leave us alone. Yeah. That's yes. not how we work here. Yeah. So kind of mm. self correcting. But in, in time. Yeah. Yeah, because that's how it, this wasn't that long ago. This is how it was. Yeah, well, exactly. It yeah. wasn't that long ago. And I always bring up Noel Pye, you know, God bless him, he's a great surveyor. One of the first professionals I dealt with with counsel when I moved to Perth. Mm -hmm. Taught me so much. He was so thorough. You couldn't get anything past him. Yeah. Not that you, anything that you weren't aware of, he would just make sure that he's the policing body and this is exactly how it's going to be. Yeah. Mm. So there's respect for that. Mm. He upholds the standard. We need more Noles out there. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes. Well. Clone him on the photocopier. <laughs> yeah, just put him. We need cloning technology. <laughs> but it will come back, no doubt. Um, all right, so we talked about conflicts of interest, code of conduct for surveyors. That relates to that as well. Yeah. Yes. Um, building supervisory power for building surveyors. Right. Building surveyors' right. contract must extend until we just mentioned that. Building surveyors must be paid for work done. Is that not, ha I mean, that's an interesting one. I, I didn't even, I saw that this morning. Mm. That, that would be happening. Or, you know, don't give us, they don't give us our certification, you don't get paid. That's been feedback you've been given? Um, and they don't have any recourse to, yeah, to the client to pay their, to get their invoices covered? We heard, we, we, we heard different anecdotal um, I mean, I'm not surprised. Um, and there are, you know, there's, there's, there are issues of, you know, building surveyor shopping. Um, we heard instances where um, building surveyors would go on site, hmm. find compliance issues, go tell people or tell the builder or um, you know, on site or whatever, um, on site that you need to do X, Y, Z. And by the time they got back to their office, they'd been. Um, I've heard this as well. Up, they find the someone that will give them the answer. Yeah, and so yeah. we, um, and not get paid for that. Uh, and so we heard that they weren't getting paid for that non, you know, saying you're non-compliant. Yeah. Um, almost like you, you only get paid if you say we're compliant. Yeah. Kind of idea. It's uh, a bit. Um, which is a bit, well, completely. Bit mafia. Yeah, not great. <laughs> um, so, um, so we, I mean, that, again, I'm not saying that's rampant in the building industry, but um, even if it is happening in in two percent of cases, we need to make sure that it can't happen. Well, otherwise it will grow. It becomes a, a, an understood thing. Yeah. It does happen. Yeah, I mean, I, mm. I, I, we couldn't, you know, we don't have any idea of what kind of extent that that's happening. I've heard that from a few. I mean, not in specifics, but it, yeah, I've heard that from years ago. It doesn't start taking off. No, no, definitely not. I mean, I told you, I, I have that worry on some jobs where, where I think, I have, this is this, it's not good information for them, but... I'm like, oh, geez, I just need to get that invoice paid to keep things going. Well, yeah. Absolutely. And it shouldn't be about, we keep bringing it up, it shouldn't be about the money. We should be able to have an opportunity to do our jobs without being hindered by it. Yeah, and I do mean, it the right way. you know, building surveyors, but also, you know, lots of other um, building professionals, you know, they're having significant issues with um, PI insurance and mm. 
all of that kind of stuff. So you know, you, it's really important that the the money flows through where it needs to flow through to. Um, yeah. And um, yeah, it's, it's it's pretty vital. Otherwise, you know, I mean, the whole thing starts to fall apart. Yeah, correct. Definitely. Uh, we're almost through. I just want to get through these summary points. Yeah. Code of conduct, supervisory, building documentation. <coughs> Supporting documents must demonstrate how design meets requirements. Ah, well, here's one for you, because we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, that church project, I won't name it, but the, my subcontractor friend told me that someone in that room was stating how we don't need mechanical drawings. We just need a reference on the architectural drawing stating we will comply with NCC. And I'm just shaking my head. And that I've, I've seen that a few times. Mm -hmm. So that is happening. We don't need those drawings. We don't need documentation to prove it. Indeed. But that puts the surveyor at risk. Yes, it he puts everybody at risk. If there's no proof of that, then he actually is fully liable. He or mm. she is liable for missing information. So what changes are we looking at here? Supporting documents must state author's name and registration number for surveying, right? Mm -hmm. Supporting documents must include prescribed information, correct? Yep. It needs to translate and prove that it's compliant with CDC or with um, NCC. Mm. Yeah, and the compliant and the relevant standards. Mm. Building notice of completion are not required for class two to nine. Yeah, that. What does that mean? That was that was a. To be honest, that was a bit of a thought bubble at the time that made sense, <laughs> but um, after stakeholder um, feedback, that will not happen. We will. Um, we will amend the notice of completion. Well, I say that will not happen. We will we will advise the government. Yeah. That the notice of completion um, should stay and be yeah um, revised to say a few yeah, yeah. Um, mm. Again, yeah, I mean, it's worth mentioning that obviously all of this stuff is, you know, subject to the, the political of machination. Course. So, but by making people aware and letting the public know and letting other professionals, you know, change will still happen. Yeah. So it's important to get it out, regardless of what happens with the election. Yeah. Because mm. then whoever's vying for votes are going to be attracted to the right path. Right. They'll. They'll. You should. You should hope so. Yeah. Yeah, this is a key. I remember a job a few years back where it was a job in South Perth. They did have an atrium stair smoke pressurization requirement because of the 60 meter. It had a smoke control requirement to it. Mm. So, and um, I, I was asking the survey, do you need us to go down final, do a final send off? Do you need our final letter? And they said, no, it's all done. I'm like, whoa, that's, that's a bit of, this is a more of a complex project. Mm. They don't. They didn't need anything from us. And I called and I said, "Do you need this from me?" I said, "No." I said, "Surely." And it's a reputable surveyor company as well. And that just kind of opened my eyes. That was three years ago. Okay. Yeah. Which yeah. I don't know. Performance solutions documentation. Yeah, there's a lot of alternate fire engineering solutions in the last ten years. Again, creative engineering at times. Some good solutions, but. On this point, I wrote some notes earlier, because fire life safety, and that's a key requirement and responsibility for all professionals on a job. You know, there's, and as a mechanical engineer, I'll put solutions together that are relating to 1668 smoke control, and some that I deal with don't actually understand what we're offering, which is a bit scary. It, it used to be that a fire engineer would understand the mechanical side of it, much like the mechanical engineer is responsible to understand some element of the fire engineering. Same as the architect. Um, there, there is a skill gap there 
across all disciplines. I'll just make that very clear. Uh, yeah, life safety is a responsibility of everyone. Mm. Mm. Performance solutions retrospective approval. Yeah, what's your thoughts on that? Mandatory documentation to assess and approve performance solutions in completed buildings. How would that work? So that's where the there's a variation to the design during construction and it's not documented fully at the time. They yeah. build it as the variation. They go back later and, oh, it doesn't meet DTS. It's a performance solution. Oh, yep. I agree with that. Yeah, variations usually instructed and then documentation is not updated. Yes. And then it just gets lost and there's no paper trail. That's a yes. very good one. That's brilliant. And then, yeah, variations during construction keep documentation up to date. That's a very good point. Third party review of design. Engineers Australia has been looking at this as well. Mm. Mandatory yes. independent peer review of high risk engineering design work. So it's similar to the independent or the conflict with the client and the surveyor's payment, who's gonna pay for third-party review? Who, what's the, the thought there? Third-party review is another tricky one. We were expecting that we could, <laughs> we would be able to drop it, but it actually garnered quite a lot of support during the public consultation Did it? process. Okay. So we are, we are still debating that one. Uh, again, you don't necessarily agree with it? No, I, it's not that. It's just it's di very difficult to implement. I was hoping we could drop it because it's really tricky. Yeah. <laughs> the details are, are I, a full, yes. full head structure. Mm. You know, it's not, yes. not easy. Um, there are yes. lots of elements to it. It's a, it's a significant process in itself. Yeah. And, um, mm. you know, and uh, amongst all, you know, there are lots of issues with... Um, how long it will take, what kind of break it puts on mm. construction time, you know, and mm. all of that kind of stuff, which is... Actually, the main issue is the dispute resolution issue, yeah. Where, yeah. where the third party reviewer disagrees with the initial designer. Who has, the, who has the final say, how, if, you know, mm. if, they, if they don't agree, where do they go to get... Some government reason? jobs run this way. Uh, there's two, yeah. I remember a couple, one is, was it Busselton Hospital, there's a third party, it just beca it becomes contentious. Yes. It, it really slows things down. It becomes more bureaucracy, more political maneuvering than anything. Yes. And then, and it's also the timing with the peer review. A lot of times I've seen them, they come in late in the piece, as opposed to being involved early through. So mm. a lot of their input may or may not be off the mark because they weren't involved to know the full background, mm. which they shouldn't. Yes. They shouldn't be obligated to understand the whole story. And I think it's adding another, I could go either way on this. It's adding another engineer to the mix, more cost. I, will, I mean, I, yes. I, support, I support the the intent. Yeah, I, support, I do too. Yeah, you know, I, but whether mm. I mean, I, I remember we spoke to a, a major stakeholder, and they were like, "Oh dear, we're not quite sure about this one." Um, I think that's probably under underplaying what they said. <laughs> um, and um, and I, I said, "Look, the point is, we need to make sure that engineering solutions um, are are." Correct and, and you know they, they work yeah. and um, and you know it, it's all about compliance and so um, what other way is there to do this if third party review of design isn't done what how can we come how can we get the end goal how can we 
get to the intended you know, intention of, the, of what, what third party review is about yeah. without doing something maybe as complex and as arduous as that. Okay. So that's uh, I'll throw that out to uh, anyone who's I've got some ideas. <laughs> any, any, yeah. We're going to solve this right now. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> no, I mean this. I had this thought because I have it um, in any any project, anything that you do personally, professionally. What's the key thing that you need in order to do your job properly? Time. Yeah. That's and that's something that I constantly like. I don't know what it is. It's because of technology now, and it's not just our industry. It's many industries. Mm -hmm. Everyone's expected to do more for less time. Yeah. You got your computer. But it's, it's just gone, in, gone nuts lately. I just have to laugh at it half the time. You know, where you just give us a couple days here, and then the fee's been sitting out for a couple months, but we can do it in a hurry. It doesn't matter how good you are. You're, there's going to be compromise if you compress the time frame. Yeah. But if there's a way to, in policy, which, again, this is not easily done. It's just, I'm just brainstorming. It's a $10 million project. There's a scale to it or a risk. The design time frame, they should be able to put a metric to how much time is suitable for that. You know, I've got a job where we did a $40 million office building. It was eight weeks to get that designed up. And the architect was planning it for two years, and we were like cramming in a room for two months yeah. to get this job up. That happens all the time. It's just, and I don't know what it, I don't think it has anything to do with, it's not like a, it's never done on purpose. Mm -hmm. um, it's literally just not understanding that things do take time and effort to come up with good solutions, to leave time to communicate. And I told Bronwyn from Engineers Australia, said a lot of these, that peer review process might be good, but the key thing missing is the communication skills. Which relates to written, you know, email, phone, in person, all realm of communication skills that build respect and integrity with the design team. And anytime you come up with good, a lot of my design ideas come up from the subconscious where I'm, I'm, I need to sit and think on it. I need to work through it. Over, I don't. If I'm going to rush myself, well, I can yeah. come up. It's this is not the way to do it. It needs time to germinate. Is my point. Yeah. If there's a way to say, look, you got that job in, you can, you you lodge, you got building permit. I know you want to rush it now, but you need three months. We're only going to allow you to submit CDC at that time. So you have plenty of time to get your team ready. That would that would solve a lot of problems. Yeah. Policy, Hard to implement, though. Poli yeah, policy legislation-wise, it's difficult. We do find it difficult to um, get into the realm of of what happens in the design stage before you start to get into the approval stage because we you know we regulate the approval process we don't regulate the design process i know that's not you shouldn't have and to, and we, and you, shouldn't, that's not your responsibility no, completely and we wouldn't i suspect want to go there at all anyway, no no so, no um, but the developers those that are running the job they should know that that's a value and that's actually going to reduce their risk give them a better solution lower their yeah mm. i don't know who can get that out there to them that that's in their benefit to do so. Yeah. Just give us a bit more time. That's it. And then I always say that seeding, that that team that you've established, the culture of that, it starts from day one. Right? And that's that's where the culture can change when we're given time and respect and, and the team is actually working well together. Because that then in every project I've seen on the construction set stage is a mirror of what the design team feeling was. Yeah. The culture of that team which is small, it's low risk. Mm. Yeah. That, that's where major change can happen. But that has to be private sector driven. The government. Yeah, well, I don't know how we could, 
The government does that, though. I put a B in for a job for a training uh, up in Wanneroo. Fairly simple, but they had like a two-year, almost too much time. Yeah. <laughs> Where if it was private sector, that job would be like DNC, three months done. So they yeah. went extreme, and then private sector is this. It needs to be in between. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Th- I mean that, that whole... Project management. That whole issue was one of the core reasons why the Building Act was brought in, was to um, standardise and reduce um, the time it took to get your building permit. I'm jumping around. I, I know you have notes. I'll let you go on in a second. Uh, who's governing project managers in this industry? Is there any... Right now, nobody, although we... The, 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 does the Building Confidence Report recommend project managers be registered? Might, yeah, I can't remember. Might do, they might have missed them. Mm. But the, the National Registration Framework, which the ABCB are working on, is looking at project managers' registration. Okay. And I believe our builders' registration discussion paper, which will be coming out in the next two mo- few months, yeah. will also be considering the, ro- the right. possibility of registering project managers and owners' representatives. That would be a big one. Mm. I mean, that's another topic in itself. I could yes. go on for hours on that. Yeah, well, project we're managers are... Mm. Currently, we're, we're covering a significant amount of um, policy area. Yes. Um, and, you know, we're only a, a group of 10 policy people. Yeah. Um, uh, and we're working on significant amounts of, you know, registering project managers or you know, builders or, uh, or, well, we've already registered builders, but expanding builder registration, um, engineers registration, residential uh, yeah. approvals process, commercial building, pr- commercial, so it's, there's a lot going on. So Well, you, you have a huge role here. It's not easy. That's why it's important to get that out. It, yeah. Like, you guys are doing a and great job, and you right. need, su- you need support. Right. Yeah. Because it can't just be a finger-pointing exercise. It's got to be oh, everyone promoting each other. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We want... We want good outcomes for the industry and consumers and mm. um, everyone involved where, where we can. Yeah, project managers, that's a big one. We'll do another, I've got to do a podcast on that with a project manager. <laughs> Let us know in the list. Yeah, that'll be, that'll be a fun one because that, that's actually my biggest pet peeve and that's, that's one of the major problems. Um, just to be honest about it because you have architects used to run the job and they tend to, that's their role. They, they, they're experts at their discipline and they have to have skill sets amongst all the engineers to bring it together, mm. which is the role. They should be given that free reign. But when their fees are cut down by 30% or more and then it's handed to another party that's acting as PM, or they're setting time frames that are just not suitable, and they're taking, they're just another communication, they're a post office box, breaking that chain of communication and not fully responsible for the, the team engagement. Mm. And it becomes a paper paper pushing exercise. That is a major problem. Soon, if that if they're gi- either given the role where they're actually adding value, or removed from the project, honestly, removing them entirely is the fix. I'll be honest with you. I, I've got a hundred of examples on that, where if anything, they're they they take the fees and they become the advocate to the client and they keep everyone in silence. It's it's very political and it's not right. But anyway, another topic. Another topic. Um, I think I've gone through my notes this has been really good I appreciate your time on this inspections is a big one it's worth mentioning 
Did we talk through that? Yeah, mm -hmm. inspections. Yeah, go mandatory inspections for all construction work. Uh, definitely inspection yeah. points to be notified. So when I moved here in two thousand eight, every job sign off. We had to be there every few weeks. We had to do, you know, I had. You have to be there to witness everything, so that you can see and sign off and close the loop with what's been documented. So yeah. you're held accountable mm -hmm. for your work. Yeah, I've got an. I mean, I had a guy talking to me the other day about he lost a job, a mechanical job, to another contractor because the builder said he. And they do this all the time. They say, "Oh, here's the price. I want you to beat it." So he goes yes. down. He beats it. Um, and this contractor I know is very reputable. He does things the right way. He goes to this duct fabrication shop and he sees the name of the job that he lost to the other guy. And the design documentation shows, you know, 75 mil insulation duct. Um, my contact, he's good. He, he looks after the consultant, makes sure that he does the right thing. He called the consultant to say, just letting you know that your contractor has gone in with 50 mil duct. And then the consultant had to say, look, I'm not engaged for construction admin. My design is drawn, it's documented, it's certified, it's all correct, but I can't do anything about it. So that ductwork goes up and gets installed, and no one's the wiser. So that, that's where that contractor went low to win it. He took a chance, and he got the job. Mm -hmm. So that's one little, it's just ductwork, I mean, but mm -hmm. try to think of that kind of methodology used across an entire building. Yeah. On panel material, or in, you know, it could be anything. Anything can be shortcutted, and it's when it becomes a structural failure or like a, a life and death thing, that's when it becomes a problem. Yeah. But all these little, little shortcuts are going to add up. Yeah. But yes. it's also not fair from an economic standpoint for having people stealing jobs like that. That's unethical. Yes. Right. Yeah. So. And we, we are, as far as I'm aware, currently the only state in the country that doesn't have, um, I mean, we have minimal fire mandatory inspections. Uh, there, there are, yes. I think, eight um, where applicable you can, yes, but, but beyond that, that's it. Um, and so we have um, by far the, the lowest level of inspections um, than any, any state or in fact any comparable country or state you that, that, that I know of. You know, New Zealand has an inspection range in the UK, France, every state that I've managed to look at in America. Everywhere, yeah. Everywhere. So it's, um, it's a, a significant anomaly that we don't have them, um, apart from, as I say, those eight fire um, inspections. Um, so it's... This is what's led to the DNC, this, this element. Yeah. Because it's, I don't see it, I don't know, I'm not accountable. But then I, I saw in here two reforms that will result in highest cost increases are third-party reviews and inspections. Yeah. I don't know how that those figures came about, 0.8%, 33.5 million. I would argue that if it's included, it actually sh would reduce cost. Because mm -hmm. cost and yes. value are, are some, like I said, mm. that's 50 mil versus 75. You don't realize it's been devalued. Mm. Mm. Yes. Yeah, but that's well, very hard to track that. One of my favorite feedback comments that we received was um, in relation to, to the increased documentation requirements, we, we asked, if it would increase costs and if people had any idea how much it would increase costs by. Okay. And somebody said, it will not increase costs. Doing it badly just moves the cost further down. That's it. <laughs> it moves it to the public. They get, we mm. get lesser quality product. Yes. That doesn't last as long and it's unsustainable. Yeah. Mm. But this is, we told, talked about this as well. 
It's economics. It's, it became this theme of, if I get a fee request for a job, I might put in a fee for 10 grand. Um, the job is not, it's 30% is the rule of thumb for construction admin to see it through. So 70% of effort and professionalism and then to get to the completion. My mentor said this, it's not done until it's done. That 30% is so key Mm. for a number of things. There's always things that happen on the fly. You need to track the contractor, make sure they're doing it the right way. The engineer also learning on the job. The young engineers coming up, seeing that, oh, I can improve the way I design. That, That loop has been kind of taken out. So that accountability to the engineer is is kind of gone. So this generation of engineers has lost a lot of skills mm. because the builders just covering things up and like, oh no, we'll fix it. We'll do this. We'll do that. So, yeah, I I don't I think it actually would reduce cost, but okay. it's hard yeah. to. Maybe hard to. That's just my. Yes. Ex- yeah. You couldn't mm. put a number to it. Mm. Yes. It would definitely reduce the level of stress. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I, I think. Yeah. I think on the whole, any initial cost increase would be outweighed by by benefits over the life of the building for all of the reforms that we're proposing. Yeah, yeah. And the cost, these additional costs are minor. And I always say that construction admin, it's almost an insurance for the, it's not, don't think about just the time and the cost. It's an insurance for you mm. to make sure everything's being looked after. And just yeah. say, let's give the builder all the keys. Just, I trust them. They know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. That's that's mm-hmm. goes back to culture and values as well. I mean, that's not to stereotype that Australian way of she'll be right, my mate will sort me out. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yes. Don't don't worry about it, which is fine. But you got to maintain professionalism too. Mm. That's great. So building manual. What is digital manual? That's a good one. To be provided to owners at completion of building work. Because there is a, there's jobs where that archives are lost, and is that mm-hmm. the theme behind that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Information's hard to come by and chase up. Yeah. Yeah. Maintenance issues and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And we have the technology to do so, to get yeah. it get it in the cloud. That's a brilliant one. So a lot of the a lot of the stuff we're doing, and we put out at a state level are being um, looked at at a national level. Okay. And but there may well be model provisions or model requirements um, developed at a national level that we would then tap into. Um, so we'll see how that plays out as well. Mm. But okay. so there's there's, yeah. there's there's state momentum, there's national momentum, yeah. um, and I think there's actually industry momentum as well towards it. So we're hoping okay. we'll get a good chunk of this up and running to feel that. A lot of times with policy, it's trial and error. And obviously, we talked about 2012. It, mm. it takes years before you see the outlay of, of what happens. Yeah. Yes. And even with the new policies, like there's so much thought put into it. You don't really know how it's all going to shake out. Um, what was this page here I was looking at earlier? Again, I just throw ideas out. Is there any way that you can get a, um, like an incubator, a trial, a developer that comes to you saying, we will trial this method for some incentive to actually give some feedback running it through the system. That'd be, yeah, that would be great. <laughs> yeah, I don't but it would have to be voluntary. It would have to be voluntary, yeah. yeah. And, um, and then yeah. you can get, because you, th- you only learn by doing. Yeah. Right? Mm. That's the, the trick. Yes. I mean, obviously doing that would throw our timelines out. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes, take, yes. Take a while, but, um, 
but yeah, I mean, um, but we're certainly open to suggestions, and um, but yeah, you know, weighing everything up, it takes long enough as it is. Yeah. But also at the same time, we want to get it right. So yeah, um, yeah. And then as you know, energy efficiency is becoming a big theme. Air quality, building health. It's this is important to get it right from now. Yeah, completely. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. My background is um, sustainability. Is it? Yeah. All oh, right. So I did a sustainability and politics degree. Oh, that's a good Murdoch. title. So yeah. So that's how I come to that. Although I actually have a um, family background in um, building. So my parents worked for the National House Building Council in the UK. Oh, did they? Okay. Yeah. So they were for a long time. So, so that's yeah. where your passion lies. It's well. It's definitely something we used to talk around <laughs> the dining table when I'm because because Docklands was. Um, bordered by a lot of very poor areas, mm -hmm. you'd only have to cross the street and you'd be in really poorly built, um, massive council estates that were, and you know the planning of that and the building of that were affecting the people's lives on a daily basis as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, there it's definitely a passion. Yeah. Um, and the importance of good building, good design, good planning. The effect on that on actually people's well-being and yeah. their daily lives and how how they exist in in a built form is significant. Yes, mm. there's a knock-on effect to all of us. We're all yeah. impacted by it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I've talked to my daughter's school. I've approached them because the the, I, the air quality, they have wall splits. They don't have the right setup. Mm. Um, I talked to them three years ago, from the stance of if you give them better air quality. And you bring it to compliance, you'll reduce absenteeism, you'll improve their attention span. You, from a point of view, as a school, you want their scores to be high. Mm. You want a good, you know, and then just no response. They're like, oh, what are you on about? But then COVID came, and I thought, that's ironic that the first place the kids go back to is the schools. Yeah. Yes. So I, I went at them again, and I said, look, we I want to be taken seriously here. Let's have a chat. So I finally got a meeting in a month. Oh, right. Just to... Not to point, just say, let's do some air quality testing to see where we're at. That's that's all I was suggesting. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's fine. Yeah. But it's worth looking at. Yeah, and it's important. Because yeah. then kids, well, my daughter was sick last week. She was sick. She just got over it. And I'm not pointing to the fact that she got sick because of poor air quality, but it, it would have contributed. Mm -hmm. You know, the immune system, if you're getting lots of CO2 and breathing yeah. each other's air, it's not, you are going to have more likelihood of getting sick. And then it goes to the parents, and then it goes on to society. Yeah. And then we're all impacted. Yeah, as a societal cost. Societal cost, the social capital. Mm. Yeah. Which, again, if developers were to think about it, put effort into social capital, they can do a lot better. If they, they don't see that. Money. Yeah, if that's what they want. Yeah. Better reputation, better brand, all that stuff. Mm. But that's good. Did, um, yeah, that was really good. Do you have any notes you want to go through, or you, did you think we covered it? No, I think that's pretty well everything. That was awesome. Yeah, thanks for your time, guys. So what I'll do is I'll, I'll put a link to this document and to the DFES uh, yeah. points, and then... Operational comments. Yeah, we'll just... And then if anyone has any comments to this, we'll, we'll request for feedback on LinkedIn so we can give you more, more and more info yeah. to help the cause. All right, thanks a lot. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Business of Buildings podcast. Thanks to Elizabeth and Dan for sharing their great insights into the proposed reforms for the approval processes. 
in building design and construction for Western Australia. Uh, we look forward to sharing more perspectives and knowledge in future episodes. Stay tuned. <laughs>